Hoping to pick up their first points of this season's Champions League champion campaign when they welcomed Schalke to the Russian capital this evening. The match is underway at the RGD Arena. None of the teams have scored so far. Lokomaiti have suffered a heavy defeat to Galatasaray in match week one with Schalke held to a home draw against Porto. The German side have endured a rotten start to their domestic campaign and are set second from Bochum in the Bundesliga after six games. There will be 70% less voice commercials and printed ads in the capital subway. According to the Metro's bosses, commuters said they didn't want any ads being played while they are on the moving stairs. And also, ads will not be posted on historic walls of the stations. The Moscow International Business Center, also known as Moscow City, may get a railway station. Russia State Railway Company Russian Railways that is currently considering the idea. 30 lindens will be planted at Red Square in October. The new trees will replace older trees that have reached their prime or dying trees. Capitals landscape specialist said some of the lindens have deteriorated seriously over the past three years, despite all attempts to revive them. We've all heard that a glass of wine a day is good for you, but a new study says that for most of us, that may not be true. Researchers from Washington University School of Medicine found a daily drink increased the risk of premature death by a fifth, no matter how old you are. The team said previously touted benefits of wine from preventing blood clots to lowering your blood sugar only work if you had no more than three glasses per week. And finally, a man suspected of stealing hundreds of pieces of latest underwear from a warehouse in Moscow has been detained. The 29-year-old illegal migrant from Asia allegedly managed to take 170 bags full of lingerie worth 2.5 million rubles and reportedly tried to resell them through a classified listing online. 
Six points out of possible ten on the roads this hour. Driving time to and from Vnukova Airport is about one hour and 15 minutes both ways. 15 minutes to Sharmitima, 55 minutes to the city. Over an hour with the mighty other one. One hour and 20 minutes from the airport to the city centre. Weather. 23 degrees Celsius in Athens. 21 in Ankara. 31 in Houston. It is cloudy here in Moscow. The temperature is standing at 9 degrees Celsius. That's it from me, Yule Bokova. Do stay tuned for more. Capital FM, Moscow. We speak English. We play a hit. Capital FM. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are in the middle of the biggest week of football in Moscow since, well, I guess since the World Cup, and boy are we having fun. This is Capital Sports, I'm Alan Moore, and you are going to love what I have in store for you tonight. Right, before you worry, and before we begin asking, where is Alan, where can we find Alan Moore? Well, I can answer that in just two words, the Erge de, well, it's three words, Erge de Arena, okay, so two words. This is a pre-record right now, because I am, at this very, very moment, watching Lokomotiv take on Schalke in the UEFA Champions league. Uh, it is, of course, the second leg of three for me this week because we have these three huge, huge games in Moscow uh, this beautiful week in uh, in October. Well, never fear. We have, as always, an amazing show coming up. We'll have Annie McLean on to us very, very shortly to discuss the recent results at home and abroad and we'll give a rundown on all that's good to know in the world of sports. And, uh, you know, look, in part three, we have a superb interview with Roderick Duchatelet. He is the owner of Uypest uh, Budapest. You know, do not change that dial. Stay with for number one English language radio sports show on Mainland Europe because it is really kicking off. Right, so as we're speaking of kicking off, let's kick off with the fact that we're still buzzing. We are still buzzing from last night because in front of over 71,000 people at the Luzhniki Stadium, many of them, of course, uh, you know, let's say bandwagoners or event junkies who want to come and see Real Madrid. Well, we saw, we saw Siska Moscow, they beat... They beat Real Madrid 1-0. Igor Akinfaev, he marked his retirement from the Russian national team by getting sent off in the 96 minute for a second yellow card. Uh, and it was a shock of shocks, compounded by the fact that Siska were actually, you know, that not just were they winning and that Igor was keeping a clean sheet, but Nikola Vlasic on loan from Everton, he scored in the second minute and that was a truly historic win for the army men. Let's not take anything away from Siska. We're, you know, they were taking on the European champions, who of course won the last three Euro, uh, Champions Leagues and their array of superstars and it was one of the best wins for me by a Russian club in Europe in at least 10 years. Now, that being said, it's already by Spartak supporters in the media and by foreign reporters that Real Madrid were depleted like some sort of you know, I know uranium-tipped ammunition. ESPN this morning, they threw that into their match report as well, saying that, oh, a depleted Real side fell. But, you know, I think that their editor needs to give their journalists a bit of a kick on the backside because they also say that Spurs are depleted as well for their game with Barcelona tonight. So either they get a new editor or they get a professors for their journals. Right, Real Madrid, they were without mega-jawed Gareth Bale with the most hated man in football, Sergei Ramos. Marcelo and Isco also failed a fitness test right before the kickoff, and Luka Modric, he only came off the bench in the second half. Uh, but look, these... This team had a real depth of talent that shows you them battered a bunch of kids at CSKA on the field. CSKA, yes, they're doing well this season, and Real have 
one, you know, just two of the last five, but still, you know, right before the break, Casemiro and Benzema both hit the woodwork. They were absolutely dominant, wave after wave of rail attack. Second half, they couldn't get, you know, put the ball past second five. And, you know, even Luca's arrival to start the second half, it changed absolutely nothing. You know, Real attacked, attacked, and were thwarted time again. So again, well done, Siska. You've done yourselves and Russian football very, very proud. Okay. Elsewhere on Tuesday, Juve's Argentine star Paolo Dybala, he spanked some young boys from Bern in Turin by grabbing a hat-trick as his side won 3-0. Despite going behind in the first minute, Man City, they won 2-1 in Germany against TSG Hoffenheim. Those goals were coming from Sergio Aguero and David Silva, or David Silva even. AEK Athens and Benfica had an absolute rocking match. I just saw the highlights this morning and it was absolutely brilliant. The Greece came back from 2-0 down to draw 2-2. This is after Benfica had Diaz sent off uh, at the end of the second or first half and I think it was the third or fourth minute of injury time. However, however, the Portuguese came away with three points when Semedo grabbed the winner in the 73rd minute. I do, though, think UEFA are going to have some investigations because there was some, well, let's say some nasty behaviour from the home fans. The less said, the better about that. Roma, they brewed up a potent mix against the, uh, well, the, the Victoria boys from Pilsen and in the Italian capital, they whipped them 5-0. Bosnia's Edin Dzeko, he scored three goals for the Italians. The pick of the night for me before going, before uh, last night was going to be uh, Bayern and Ajax. That game ended in a 1-1 draw, both goals in the first half. And, you know, it was actually a pretty poor affair between two former European champions so getting up this morning to watch the getting up this morning early to watch the highlights was well it was tough but you know ultimately fruitless right Leon Leon I should say not Leon 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 drew 2-2 with Shakhtar Donetsk but you know that wasn't the worst thing in the group uh, in England it was all about managers because we know of course Manchester United they drew 0-0 with Valencia last night the fans walked out early they booed the team and they had a go at Mourinho non-stop now I didn't see all of the game just the the well, low lights, I guess. But it, it, it really was kind of typical Mourinho uh, that, you know, they, they held on, they did well, and they just got a nil-nil draw out of it. Now, somehow, United fans still believe that, you know, they should be watching champagne football um, at, at uh, Old Trafford because they said they enjoyed it under Ferguson. OK, I mean, uh, let's pretend that uh, David Beckham's cultured lumps over the top where tippy-tappy rather than bishy-bashy. But, you know, Jose, he has painted himself into a real corner. And his complaints afterwards about the team's later arrival to a theatre of nightmares, well, you know, he said that if they'd be given a uh, police escort because they timed their trip from the hotel to the stadium, uh, that it would take 30 minutes, it took a lot longer, and they were late, of course, uh, that he said that if the police had helped them out, it would be all OK. So I think it's, it, you know, it's getting tough to watch his down fall, you know, he's not going to get a break from the fans, he's not going to get a break from the media and, you know, I, th- I think it, it could very, very well be that he might not see out October uh, in Manchester now, as bad as that was for the Portuguese magician or former magician, it all came to a head at Villa Park in the English Championship last night when Aston Villa escaped escaped with a home draw 3-3 against bottom side Preston. Now, as many will know, Steve Bruce, he is Villa's boss and like United, uh, the local fans cannot get out of their heads that their history counts for nothing. They might have won seven leagues and seven FA Cups. They might have won the European Cup in 1981 or 80-81 I'll ask Andy McLean in a moment uh, you know, and they might have won one of the founding clubs or they were one of the founding clubs of the Football League and of course they were a founding club in the Premier League but without the masses of money and the players willing to go and play there they are a step well step or three there's ten steps behind the likes of Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea or even Real Madrid, Juve and so on so it played out like this uh, last night 12th place Villa 
cruising 2-0 up at half time then they get a, a, a man sent off in the 54th minute and by the 86th minute they're 3-2 down now Yala Bolas, Bolasi who I worked before with in uh, Floriana in Malta many many years ago 10 years ago now um, he, he equalised in penalty uh, from, a pen, from a penalty from a penalty spot in injury time and Villa then in the 6th minute of injury time had Irish star Glenn Wheeling stepping up to win the game but he missed so 3-3 three, three, the fans go mental uh, Preston came in having lost their previous five Villa had won only one of five games in September and even to start off the match a fan who got arrested a bit of a, a numbskull he threw a cabbage at Steve Bruce now Bruce called it disrespectful and honestly um, from my side of fence you know it, it's it, it's kind of a stark remark or a reminder that you don't need an IQ to buy a ticket to go watch a match and I think it was you know it's unfair but you know off my soapbox and on to tonight's Champions League games Loco they keep us chugging along in uh, in day two or this, well it's the second half as I speak right now and they have German giant Schalke no fear from Gelsenkirk and they are at the Erge Day Arena and in front of a sellout crowd there is hope in Trichizo now of course I'm pre-recording this so I'm kind of giving my view ahead of time I could be proved totally wrong with half time the home side of course they have ex-Schalke players in Bendik Hoedes and Jefferson Farfan uh, lining up for them and of course a former guest of Capital Sports Eric Stoffelshaus who is Loco's sport director was sport director with Schalke so it's a big game for those three men it's kind of like welcoming well welcoming old friends to their uh, new home and hopefully that they come away with a win now while Yuri Sjoman he gets a lot of plaudits and rightly so for getting Loco a cup and a league uh, in the last two seasons. We do have to give a bit of a tip of the hat to President Ilya Gerkus and Eric, of course, for having the stern hands on the transfer tiller. The quality of players arriving at Lokomotiv have never been higher, and credit where credit's due, the whole club has improved and, of course, continues improving. Anyway, Loco have two wins in their last six. That one a super, super goal. If you get the chance to see it, Eder scoring in the uh, Russia Cup against uh, Baltica, uh, Kaliningrad. Uh, Schalke, they got their first points of the season on Saturday with a 1 0 win over Mainz. So if there was ever a time for Loco to knock off a big side, it is tonight. And the energy is on their side, of course, after last night's superb win for Tsuska. Schalke, they drew uh, with Porto in their first game in Champions League. Loco, we know they lost 3 0 against Galatasaray. So a win for either side is going to put them in with a great chance of some springtime action. Okay, very, very quickly running through. PSG, they are home to Red Star Belgrade tonight. Uh, right now, in a match that the French are expected to win pretty handily, Atletico Madrid, they have Club Bruges in Spain for a fiesta as the 10 10pm game, 10, 10 games rear their pretty heads. Uh, Borussia Dortmund, they're hosting Monaco. Porto, they will look to contain a rampant Galatasaray in that same group, of course, with Schalke and Lokomotiv. Napoli, they, Napoli even, they will begin as underdogs against Liverpool at the Stadio San Nicola in Naples. And PSG, PSV even, Eindhoven, have Inter Milan up in Holland. Now, the big one tonight is without a doubt for most people the Tottenham Barcelona showdown at Wembley. Now, neither can be said to be informed, though home win you know shouldn't be ruled out. But if you're going to switch on to one game after we say goodnight to you, it wouldn't be that one, or at least I wouldn't suggest it. I'd say have a look at the Napoli Liverpool game and just wonder how Liverpool can spend so much money and yet their defence looks like it does. They're great fun to watch, but my goodness, they're not good for the heart. Okay, tomorrow, part three of our Moscow Football Week from Heaven continues. And Capital Sports will be live from the Ocridia Arena to see if Spartak can sink the Yellow Submarine or if Spartak get torpedoed and hold below the waterline. Now, Spartak, they're already in serious trouble in the dressing room, the boardroom, and pretty everyone 
much every, every other room you can find out in Tushino but they really can give themselves a big big break by beating Villarreal Spartak have won just have won just one and lost three of their last six games but the Spanish have won only two of the last five it's going to be tougher to meet but you know what a draw is probable and a win it's not out of the question of course you know, Spartak have quality players who are a match for Santi Cazorla and Miguel Layun. Plus, Villarreal were here 10 years ago and lost 1 0 to Zenit. So let's hope it's second time unlucky for them too. The game kicks off at 10 p.m. Now, Krasadar, they have Spanish giants, uh, Spanish guests also. Uh, Sevilla, who of course won the Europa League five times in the uh, last 11 years. Both sides are in good form. So it's going to make it. You know, it's going to be a good game. Krasnodar, they start slight favourites, though. I think it's going to be tough to see past a draw on that one. Eintracht Frankfurt, they are home to Lazio uh, at the Old Waldstadion, and, or Cummins Bank Arena, as it's known now. And while they're not in great form domestically, and Lazio are really doing well, you have to think that the home side will get at least a point at that one. Chelsea have Vidi Moll of Budapest. They are at home. Paddy Borisov host Pauk Salonika. All those are 10 pm kickoffs. At 7.55, Zenit are going to start as favourites against Slavia Prague uh, though as Andy McLean told us last week you cannot write off the checks as bad at your peril so Arsenal they are in Azerbaijan to play Karabag Celtic are visitors in beautiful Salzburg while out in Asana FC Ren are going up against a home side with a win in five matches so it could be a good night in Kazakhstan for the boys from Brittany. Okay, before we talk about ice hockey we have waiting on the line for us Mr Andy McLean Andy how are you doing? Very good evening Alan very well that's great. Listen, great to hear you, Andy. And this, uh, last night's win for Siska, I mean, we, we didn't kind of expect it, but we did kind of think that at least it have a bit of a chance to do well, but it, it was unexpected. Just wow. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really thought they'd scored far too early. And, I mean, the, the, the woodwork saved them a few times. I can say of the referee <laughs> giving, what, nine-odd minutes added on. Yeah, I mean, they rode their luck, but wow, what, what an incredible victory. A great night for Russian football. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was just saying just be- be- before uh, we, well, before you came on the line, was that, you know, this, this is, it's, it's, a, it's a real marker uh, to show how, you know, Russian football can do well against the odds. Now, I mean, they, they did say, like a lot of people were saying, and Spartak fans in, in the media, as I mentioned earlier, and we're talking about, oh, like, Real Madrid were about this, were about this, they're not the same about Ronaldo. But it's still Real Madrid, and they had an absolutely cracking Madrid derby on Saturday night. Yeah, I thought they were very unlucky against Atletico Madrid. There were, there were phases towards the end where I actually thought, my God, if, if, if they had Ronaldo back in that side, maybe he would have taken one of those chances on from the edge of the box rather than, than trying to roll it side to side to get a clear cut inside the area sort of chance presenting itself. But yeah, I mean, that, that Madrid team, bar Ronaldo, Effectively, you know, European champions, two years on the bounce. It's, it, yeah, absolutely incredible. And it was a wonderful performance from CSKA in the first half. I thought they, they created a number of good chances. One felt a challenge off a sort of snapshot where I thought if that had gone in, um, they, they were well on their way. And then the back five did exactly what was asked of them in the second half and held them as firm as they could and didn't really give them any sort of one on ones or make any silly mistakes. 
do you think though that you know as well as writing their look um, do you think that just that that because Sark, Spart, uh, excuse me Siskaf are doing so well at home uh, in the last well you know let's say two three weeks because it, it looked dodgy at the start of the season do you think they're drawing a bit of a role that now that they're like they're, they're chasing hard uh, at the top of the table they, you know the results are going their way shall we say in, in domestically do you think that that's now crossing over into uh, European form well, I think it probably took a bit of time for that news. I mean, the spine of their team, especially the defence, was ripped apart. So it was naturally going to take a bit of time for gel. They got the, the new defender in from uh, Bahia in Brazil. Vlasic took a couple of games to get going, but he looks like he's going to be a... Um, I think he's just on loan, but my, my word, he, he looks like a bit of a special player for them at the moment. Exactly. Say, go ahead, I think this is going to give them the confidence now going in to the you know be before the winter break to really kick on uh, okay no, we're going to go into break and you're going, to, you're going to stay with us but um, just before we do uh, like, you know you've got a player like Vlasic who's come, coming in uh, from Everton who uh, as you say he's on loan you know is it worth trying to just splash out and keep a player like that in the side if he's willing to stay I think they have to, but it, it might be very difficult if he keeps on churning out the performances. I mean, I think he's scored now in the last three games for them. And, I mean, his ball retention and eye for a pass have really impressed me so far this season. I think if you take him out of that side at the moment, that, that spark of creativity goes from um, CSK. OK, listen, Andy, thank you. Just hang, Andy will come back with us now at the, uh, for the second uh, part of the show tonight. Uh, and we're going to go to the break with the Kings of Leon and you, somebody. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Someone like you and all you know and how you speak.
with Alan Moore. Welcome back to part two of uh, Capital Sports Tonight here. I'm Alan Moore and we still have on the line uh, Andy McLean. We're going to go back to him in just a moment. First of all, a little catch up on ice hockey. Of course, lots of action the last few days, uh, last week, since we were last on with you. Uh, last night, Spartak, they were given a bit of a drubbing 6-0 by Scott St. Petersburg. That, of course, was at home. And with their last loss to Siskat, I've seen them drop down to seventh in the table. Now, you're awkward from uh, Helsinki they're still leading the way in the west this car second Ska Lokomotiv Yaroslavl and Dinamo Riga are chasing hard Sochi they are surprisingly in 6th place and behind Spartak Vityaz Pod Moscovi are in 8th Dinamo are up to 10th now a couple of good games coming up quite soon uh, because in just uh, well 24 hours time Spartak they are taking on Dinamo Minsk at home and Dinamo Moscow are playing Akbars at home as well so two good games tomorrow night to go and have a look at and on Friday night or I should say on Saturday on Saturday there's another home game Spartak playing Vityaz that is dropping at 5 o'clock and Dinamo Moscow at 5 o'clock against Neft Himic as well so try to get out and support our local teams right back on to Andy Andy a big big last weekend of games uh, here in Russia Siska of course they got that win away in Orenburg 1-0 Lokomotiv they they struggled against Achmat but eventually came home 2-0 uh, Zenit lost surprisingly in Makhachkalab 2-1 Krasnodar beat Dinamo Moscow kind of expectedly 3-0 They're, uh, Krasnodar are in great form at the moment and of course Spartak Moscow they went down 1-0 at home to Rostov against returning old boy Valery Karpin any surprises last weekend Andy? Well just just that last one I mean uh, Karpin coming back held the fort Again, Spartak snuck a 1-0 win and it's really opened up again that, that top half of the table. Um, Zenit obviously losing and, and when Angie were already down to 10 uh, with Ponce getting that late win. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's all of a sudden closed that gap between 6th and 1st and, and made it really interesting for the next couple of weeks. Because, I mean, Lokomotiv now are you know, well, kind of 10 points off, off first place, but they're only two points behind Rubin and, you know, six points back behind Rostov. Krasnodar, of course, are chasing hard. We've got any top on 22, Krasnodar uh, second on 19, Rostov on 18, Siska, Spartak, and, well, as I to Lokomotiv. Now, Dino, they're struggling a wee bit. They're down in 10, but still, you know, safe enough at the moment. Um, but, you know, l- looking at looking at Siska, they're on a bit of a roll at the moment. Uh, but do you think, will that last for them? Well, obviously playing locomotive now at the weekend, there's going to be so many fixtures coming where the, the, the top five, six are all playing each other in sort of consecutive weeks. And I think if one team has a, a really consistent spell, doesn't drop too many points, they, they, they could really push on and start to threaten Zenit now at the top of the league. Um, and obviously Zenit, if they if they slip up against Slavia Prague, who actually slipped up themselves at the weekend for the first time in eight games, I think Zenit might have Samak might need a little rethink. Do you think? I mean, you know, Zenit, as, as as we mentioned, like you know, they they are playing Slavia Prague. You said that you know that they were when you were living there that they were you know they were kind of a down under look team, but they are starting to rebuild. Um, is Europa League that important for Zenit right now, or do they really need to win the league? I think I, I think Samak has to take it seriously. I think clubs like Zenit, TSK, obviously it's it, it's a route in to the Champions League now. But I think it's really important for financial clout, attracting players in, and not only that, I, I, I think a lot of the players there that he's got now that he's brought back into the squad, the sort of core one, Shatov, Zuba, want to play in Europe. They want to, you know, after such a good World Cup 
that Russia had, especially Zuba. I, I think they want to get their names back out on, onto that stage where everybody else takes an interest as perhaps the Russian league doesn't quite attract as many international or European viewers. I mean, if you look at it, like, you know, so Zenit, they've knocked in 18 goals in the league, and uh, between uh, Yerokin and Dewa, they've, they've scored four each. So, I mean, you know, they've, they've uh, contributed quite a bit. You know, Chalaf has scored seven goals for, you know, Ziska, which is half of their league total. Yeah. But he scored the same number of goals as Spartak have scored in total. Spartak have scored just seven goals in the whole. Like, I mean, is, is, is that going to hurt them as, as time moves on? Because there is absolute... I don't know, bedlam in the Spartak clubhouse. Yeah, it, it, it does seem that they're really reliant on sort of one player perhaps churning in the goals at the moment, whereas you look around at the other clubs and they've got three or four players that look like a threat. Luis Adriano looks like he's not interested at the moment. I don't think Carrera can decide who his best attacking quartet or trio really are. He seems to be umming and ahhing between Hanny and Popoff and he, I, I don't think he's actually got it in his mind or one of the players has perhaps upset him and he doesn't want to play him there's, you know, there's something not quite right at the moment and until they get one or two players t ticking over getting them goals I think they might stagnate a little bit they just need one game where they maybe put three or four in the net and that might get them going again and they get old. I mean because if you look at like, you know, Rostov, uh, you know, Rostov who are you know they're usual at this time of the season they do quite well and the weather's good down the south coast and they've got Sigurdsson uh, who's you know three goals and Yonov who's I think scored three or four as well so I mean they, like, they've got guys contributing and you look at like Zenit like so Shatov has scored uh, Darius has scored you know they're spreading yeah, they out can call on. yeah they can call on yeah and they can call on someone from the bench as well in order to you know to maybe turn a game in their favour or or secure three points and you look around at the other teams at the moment and perhaps they don't really have that sort of plan B certainly when I was watching the, the Spartak Tereskar uh, derby I thought after Tereskar took Chaloff off they really lacked any sort of impetus or anyone to hold the ball up or anyone with an idea to how to run in behind or even just lay balls off to, to keep the attack moving and Zenit seemed to be the one team that can actually rotate their substitutions and still really kick on and, and, and create and look dangerous. I mean, you know, they, they, they have uh, Bistrovic, the, the Croatian lad, Christian, um, that, that's it's this guy, sorry. And I mean, he's, yeah. he's, 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 well, he's 20 years of age. So they've got a lot of young lads who have potential, but still, like he's tapped in a couple of goals this year, but like you said, they don't have depth and uh, you know even look at Spartak like you know Zé Luis who's I, I think he's a very good player but he's he's almost he goes through spits and spurts that's it. each season he seems to go through three or four games where he looks invincible and then three or four games when you wonder how he's even a footballer exactly you know it's like he's not interested or something like that so okay look uh, looking ahead at this weekend's games I mean um, so okay last weekend of course as we said like you know Lokomotiv they, they you know they, they got over the line eventually but it wasn't easy I mean it was really not easy for them um, despite having most of the, the, the play and playing you know better than, than, than Ahmed Ahmed were very very tight and very very well controlled um, this weekend coming up Dino they're on the road again they're away in Samara against Krylia Sovetov uh, tough one there for them Yenisei, they're going to be hosting Spartak Moscow. Spartak Moscow, this is a great chance for them to bounce back. I mean, I can't see them not winning that one. Zenit and Krasnodar is a huge match because, you know, Krasnodar are the forum team uh, against Zenit who need a bit of a boost. And of course, as you said, at 7 o'clock on Sunday, that big Moscow derby is Siskan Lokomotiv. What are you looking at for this week, Andy? I think Tereskar, just because I think they're going to be on such a, a high coming into this game, 
and they'll have an extra two days, uh, sorry, uh, t- t- 24 hours to prepare for it, home soil. And I think the crowd will be there again and they'll back them. So I'm, I'm going to be looking at a tennis car home win. And then out of the other games, trying to think who the the other one was. Well, I mean, if we, like, I mean, if you look, if, if I run through, go, okay, Arsene Lufa, Krilia Sovitov, Dinama, Rostov Orenburg, uh, Rubino Ral, Yenisei Spartak, Ahmad Anji, oh, that's a, that's a, a Kafkaz Derby, uh, Zenit Krasnodar, and, well, of course, we already said the Tsuska Mos Lokomotiv. So I think out of those, I'd be between Rostov and Orenburg. Orenburg are a tricky side to break down. But I think I'm going to go for both teams to score in the Zenit games. I think it will be very open. All right, so both teams to score for, for Zenit and Krasnodar. Interesting. Listen, one more little bit of uh, in, interesting. I don't, I don't know if you heard it. There's the, um, uh, Alexis Smerton, of course, who was the commissioner to fight discrimination in Russian football. He is now the ambassador for the regions and international relations for the Russian Football Union. Is that a good move for him? Is he, is he looking to have a little bit of tilt in at UEFA or FIFA? I think, I mean, he, he's quite, he's one of the high-profile Russian players from sort of the last generation, obviously, because he played abroad. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he's he's somebody that perhaps was criticised when he took on that discrimination role because of prior comments, but he, he seemed to get his head down and knuckle down and, and, and do a good job, and everyone was very complimentary about the tournament in the summer. And I think, yeah, new challenge... I think it's a good appointment. Okay, no, because I mean, he, he was he was here with us, of course. Um, gave a great interview as well, like around that time when CNN had sort of were were stinging him, and he was just very very simply upfront and saying, "Look, we have problems. We have to fix them. That's it." And I mean, they have clamped down a lot. There's a lot more to do, of course. They're not, you know they're, they're not even halfway yeah. down the road, but they're they're they are getting there. It's a much better place to go to watch. Um, and also, there's a a big announcement going to be coming soon as well about a huge development project going to be rolled out here in Moscow and down on the Volga as well. So he'll be involved in that uh, Andy okay looking over at England not a great time last weekend for uh, Jose Mourinho Manchester United and last night as well it's it's looking tougher as you said like you might not even see at the group stage of the Champions League you did call that last week uh, they lost 3-1 of course to West Ham in West Ham Arsenal they won 2-0 against Watford uh, Everton you know doing quite well won 3-0 uh, at home to Fulham Spurs won away 2-0 Man City of course uh, beat Brighton 2-0 and Liverpool got a 1-1 with Chelsea, which is not a bad result considering. Um, anything there that sort of, you know, kind of worried you, disturbed you, or made you lose sleep? Not made me lose sleep, but obviously I think Mr. Mourinho might. I, the, the clock is really ticking on his time there at the moment, unless they sort things out. And it was a bit of a lacklustre performance against Valencia. Yes, they had moments where uh, Rashford and Pompa hit the woodwork, but... If you roll back sort of eight years, ten years even, to the time when Man U, Old Trafford, Champions League, even a big club like Valencia, I mean, the possession, the dominance, it, it, you're always expecting goals to go in and normally a clean sheet to go with it. And it's just such a different vibe around Old Trafford at the moment. And yet that that seems to be happening in the league as well. They just, I, I really don't know. Obviously the early goal for Felipe uh, Anderson at West Ham um, took the took the wind out of them, but they just never really came back. And if you you were looking at all the statistics last week of uh, teams uh, and the kilometres that the players had run throughout the week, 
and Manchester United were bottom, and not just bottom, but bottom by about 20 kilometres to the next team. And you just wanted to say, when you're chasing a game like that, you're going to run about, and the Olympic Stadium's a big pitch. And then you look at the other end of it, and Chelsea and Liverpool, teams that traditionally dominate possession, their players were running in, in, in the sort of top three teams out of the whole week. And that, I mean, that's a real concern when, when you see statistics like that. I mean, they're home again uh, on Saturday evening, 7.30 kickoff here uh, in Moscow time. Man, you know, United are playing Newcastle United. So, I mean, they're, 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 they should be capable of getting three points from that one. You would you would think so, especially with the situation around Newcastle at the moment and with Peter Kenyon, ex-Manchester United, um, being involved in a potential takeover bid. There seems to be as much disturbance at that club as Manchester United at the moment and you'd really you really expect them to, to create a few chances and, and, and a big player on the day like Pogba or Lukaku to, to actually put one away OK I mean it, 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 it makes perfect sense like you say uh, Friday evening the 10 o'clock kickoff is Brighton and West Ham so a decent sort of one there to have a look at uh, also you have on Sunday then 2 o'clock kickoff the London Derby Fulham against Arsenal followed by 4.15 Southampton and Chelsea but the big one the big one at 6.30 on Sunday evening 6.30 Moscow time of course is Liverpool Man City that's a big one that's, that's going to it's not a, a title decider but it'll tell us a lot about where do you these two teams are at, won't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I was getting a little bit worried uh, watching Manchester City last night in their game against Hoffenheim where they dominated a lot of the ball but just couldn't get the ball in the net. They had one, I mean, the, the penalty decision that wasn't for uh, Leroy Sané, I mean, was, was shocking. And, and I thought, my God, their, their heads have gone down. They might not get this. But then, yeah, I think if Liverpool... Liverpool start off the way that they ended the Chelsea game I think it, it, it'll be it'll be tight but as you say it's not a title decider at the moment but it will give us a, a real indication of where both clubs are at mentally at this stage and I think confidence going into into the um, international break um, is going to be a big factor when, when these players come back OK listen give us what, what are you looking at for this weekend for the English Premier League Andy? For the Premier League, I think Chelsea have a particularly good record at Southampton and Southampton seem to be um, slight. Obviously, they got a penalty win over Everton last night in the, in the was it the Moose Cup? Please yeah, Carabao Cup. Um, yeah. um, so I think Chelsea away win at Southampton. Another both teams to score in, in the big one. Okay, Liverpool so City. Liverpool and City. Listen, before we go, because um, we're going to to the break, Andy, um, Quick question. Uh, Valverde won the World Cycling Championships. 38 years of age. He's soon turning 39. Now, this is a guy who's been done for blood doping with Puerto and so on. Um, you know, and, and the one thing is that we, we keep hearing is like, it's now great. It's the cleanest cycling has ever been. Can we believe it? I mean, just going by what... Just in the last year, the amount of scandals that have gone around, the UCAD doctors... All the people linked into cycling, I don't think anyone could ever really believe that it wasn't happening or at least that the cycling teams weren't one step ahead of where where the doping agencies are currently at. You, you always feel there's, it, it's just been, the, that, that edge has been taken off it for me. Okay. 
Well, Andy, listen, that, that's great. We're going to tweet out, of course, those uh, picks. And uh, thank you again for your time. And uh, have a great, great evening. Enjoy the football later on. Thanking you. You too. Thanks, Andy. Okay, that was Andy McLean, of course, our regular co-host here. So he's just at work at the moment. Right, we're going to go to the break. We're going to come back with Roderick Duchette Delay all the way from Budapest. And uh, this song to get us all pumped up that things aren't all that bad in sport. This is Bon Jovi and Keep the Faith. With Alan Moore.
more. Welcome back to part three of tonight's Capital Sports here on Moscow's Capital FM. I am Alan Moore. And finally, we have this super interview with Roderick Duchatelet. Uh, he, of course, is the owner of Uypest Budapest. Now, remember, this club, okay, and a bit of background for you, this club are 133, yes, 133 years old. They were former finalists in what's now known as the Europa League. They made the European Cup or Champions League semi-finals and were absolutely dominant in the 60s and 70s in Hungary. Now, if we draw a comparison in Russia, they would be the former team of, say, the MVD, so the police uh, club. Uh, now, they are the only top flight club in uh, Hungary who are not state-owned and state-funded or supported, which creates problems in itself, especially when it comes to money and officiating, as I saw myself firsthand when I attended their game uh, in August this year. Now, they haven't won the league in 20 years, but they were third last season, as well as winning the cup. But most painful of all for them, and especially from a financial standpoint, they'd been without European football in nine years. But this year, they beat Nefci Baku before losing to um, Krasnodar's opponents tomorrow night, Sevilla. So, um, this man, he's from Belgium. He came in, he took over the club. He is building it up. And I had a very, very frank discussion with him about what problems they face, what they're trying to do, how they're reforming the whole youth system, how they're trying to get the fans in the gates and so on. And I think you're going to find this as interesting uh, as it was for me to have the interview with him. So, without further ado, here is Uypes' uh, owner, Roderick Duchatelet. And I'm sitting here with uh, Roderick Duchatelet. Did I say your name correctly? Duchatelet? Pretty much. Oh. For English speaking, it's good. <laughs> okay, and I'm Irish as well. We're facing even worse. <laughs> now, I'm going to ask you straight away because this year you're, you know, you, you got back into Europe um, after almost a decade out of Europe. Um, so, how difficult is it to progress in Europe uh, given the current ranking? system for clubs from Hungary? I think it's uh, it's pretty uh, it's not so difficult to get into Europe uh, in the preliminary rounds. I think the system is good for us to get into Europe but once in the qualification round it's getting more and more difficult to get to the group phase. Is, is the group phase, group phase the kind of holy grail for, for clubs? I think, the, the, yes, it's a very important uh, Europa League or Champions League group phase is uh, where you want to be in Europe. Is that because of money and also then for uh, overall development of the club as well? Money obviously helps the development of the club. Um, it does, it's pretty much the money, but it's also the prestige, it's the, the experience to go to play against big clubs, it's exposure, uh, it's exposure of our club, it's exposure of uh, our players, it's exposure, it makes everything much easier if you're a club performing in the Europa League, it's much easier to attract players to the club. With these better players, you can then again make a better result and get better in Europa, see, European scene. So it kind of fuels improvement, ongoing improvement. Yes. I have seen the black and white images of Hungarian football when basically the grounds were twice as full as they should be. Um, and we wish they were once a name club um, in Europe, not just in Hungary. Um, is there a chance for clubs from Central Europe to just domestically get back to where they once were in terms of crowd and of interest? Well, I think that's very difficult um, because uh, before um, 
let's say the clubs were uh, very local, uh, your crowds were very local, the interest of the people was very local, and now our competition as a club is not uh, with other Budapest-based teams, but our competition to, for the audience, for the viewer, for the supporter, is with uh, our big Premier League teams, is with big Spanish teams, um, to get person to come out to the stadium and support for our team, they have the choice to come out and then probably it's going to be too hot or too warm or too cold or the, they will have to queue because there are security measures. Um, it's not always the best circumstances and um, yeah, or they can stay at home in their lazy couch and they have a cold beer from the fridge and watch a Premier League game. With, Obviously, it's better quality game. So this is our competition. It's very, very difficult. I don't think that we will be able to compete with them uh, anytime soon. Uh, I think they're gone. I think it's money game now, and they have the biggest budgets, and they were playing it very smart in the past. And now um, I don't see us get back into that uh, game because the difference is too big. In the Europa League, we were playing Sevilla. They have 50 times 5-0 our budget. You know, it's totally impossible to compete with these kind of teams. What would it take for your club to get into the group stages of the Europa League, in your opinion? Two more years. <laughs> three, three, three. Realistically, three. There is always, you know, with the, with the current system, there is always a few teams with smaller budget that manage to get into the group phase somehow with good management, with good uh, player selections, obviously the, the necessary luck. Uh, in the games, but in the as well as in the draws, but always there is few teams succeeding to get there. So uh, we need to use this first uh, European performance and exposure to to learn and to get better, and then uh, from it uh, make the next step. I've noticed that in in your club, only one player is 30 or over, um, and he's not playing. And he's not playing. So. <laughs> Is, is this a deliberate strategy? As you said, you're building now for the future. Is this a deliberate move on your part? I think it's, it's, it's one, yes, that. Uh, second, um, I don't believe that you can keep players uh, long in your club anymore, especially if they have quality, you, you have to let go hmm. uh, because we cannot compete with the big teams and if they want them, they have the money, they can make offers that we cannot compete with. Uh, but a big part of our budget is coming from player transfers and young players are better in the market than older players. Um, depends what you want to do. For us, I think we, we do need to do this money from player transfers, so we do need to work with younger players. Um, we, this year we don't really have older players that hung around or stuck. Uh, uh, we don't really have, because the older players usually are players that were better, went away and came back, and we don't have them yet. You know, in our new development, we have a few players that are going away to better levels, but they're not coming back yet. We have to wait a few more years, and then when they come back, we'll have their quality. Uh, but older players with quality, they are impossible to get for us. Is that a question of budget or a question of just? what you can offer them in terms of, um, as you said, exposure in European football? It's both. It's, it's both. One, they, when they have the quality for more, you cannot compete with that. You cannot fight with that. It's just if, if there is an offer coming for more money or more prestige, depends what makes the player tick. 
uh, if the player can, is money driven and he can get more money he will go if the player is prestige driven then he will go for the more prestige so we cannot you cannot keep them and the, the lower quality will not help us to get to Europe also you know if they come here to to take some money and to to just be here they're not helping us we need to have players that want to show themselves that want their exposure that want to progress that want to get better because in the end that's the ones who will fight for us to get into Europe so what are the issues uh, holding back football in Hungary in your opinion again yeah. I think it's uh, what I mentioned before that um, before it was a more local game it was uh, if you had a good player you you he was your player he would stay with you until he was 30 unless you decided otherwise now you're competing with uh, bigger clubs with more money with more prestige and these players they will not stick around before you could grow your players get this prestige and then you had the I think uh, if you had some help from from government, which happened in the past, to to your budget, that you could compete really with uh, with these bigger clubs. But now the gap is too big. The, the, there are teams like with hundred times our budget, so it's not realistic anymore. A group of clubs that are we pursue within. So you know, Carlsice are back moving back to where you know they, they once were in football in Germany and moving up so you're talking about patience how important is patience um, from two sides one from the owners and the second from the supporters uh, equally, equally important eh? everybody wants uh, everybody wants to see results the sooner the better but you cannot there is no there is no magic there is no you cannot even with a lot of money you cannot change uh, change around the culture you cannot change around the, the players like i mentioned if you want to get better players you have to offer them something now it's not like you, they're your slaves before they, they were it was more the case that they were your players and you could say you stay here and you do this but now the world changed and now you want to if you want more quality you have to be able to offer them something and this something to offer you have to create and it takes a while you know that in German market is very very difficult because there is only German players especially in the lower leagues and uh, you know, to bring them to to lower leagues with the, the, you know, the willingness to go up even if you're a big traditional club they're also looking at the money they're also getting offers from bigger clubs or it's, it's very very difficult how important is it to connect with the community and the fans to have local players on the field it's, it's very important, uh, not only for the community and the fans. I think the fans, they, they're looking for, uh, for themselves. If they look at the game, they're looking for, for themselves. They're, they're looking for a fight because they want to be the fighting and they want to, they, they want to feel, uh, they want to associate with, uh, uh, with the players on the field. So obviously that, but more than just, it's, it's important to have these local players for the culture, for the, the growth. Also, again, what I said, they have to be better. They have to go to bigger competitions and come back. If you really want to win something, you do need experienced players. But you need quality experienced players that you, you made and they go away and then they can come and end their career here and they can bring the younger players and the, the other players that you have at that time to a, a different level with their leadership, with their experience. When do you think you'll start to see uh, real, like, you know, 
major results coming through uh, from, from your youth section? We started our youth uh, a few years ago. And uh, it's very, very difficult again because there is uh, starting from zero, we're starting from zero. So, yeah, if you have. There was no youth academy, no. There, there wasn't, no. There was another one which, with which we collaborated, but their quality was horrible. So, yeah. so you, you had no control over what no, was going on? No, we had through. no control and we, we, we tried to improve them, but they were not open for improvement because they were motivated by other issues than football. Um, <laughs> you don't need to do that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so we started our own and now we have to start from zero. And uh, as you know, any quality youth player uh, will have a contract now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's uh, very, very difficult to bring them to to our club, so now we're under 15s. We have a good generation, and I think we, yeah. because they are the ones that you can get before they are contracted. And I think uh, if if they start coming through, we will see them in the first team. We have some guys that are training with the first team that we were a little bit lucky to get, but the real ones are. We have to wait, I think, until the under 15s are coming through. So you're basically talking four to five years. Yes. To, again, that's patience. On that, are the supporters happy that you have put that focus on youth development? They really care about result. Okay. okay. So we're talking patience again. Patience is not their best part. <laughs> They're still coaching, the youth coaches actually, not all of them obviously, but they're still coaching like they were 50 years ago. The, the people who were the golden generation are now coaching, you know, and the game has changed quite a bit over the last... <laughs> Just a little, yeah. In the last 10 years it's changed. Also. Yeah, so the, the, I think the, they didn't, there is a big language barrier because if you want to you improve your local people, that uh, you know, these people don't really have... Uh, no, they don't really speak enough languages to be even English. Even though no English, no nothing. How important is it to market the experience? It's two different questions. Sir. I know, I know, I'm not, I know they're, they're not related really, but I, I'm trying to... <laughs> to... To build our brand is what we have to do now. We have to do it in many ways. We have to do it in, uh, in the way where you know, teams are overperforming or surprisingly better than what you would expect from them. So uh, I think this is something we really need to work on internationally. Also, if you speak about player transfers, we really need to create a label that you know that to the other teams, if they buy a player from us, that they will be happy with him. Yes. Again, because it's a big part of our budget. And uh, towards fun experience, I think if your performance is better, Overall, then they will be more yeah, um, hanging on to the team or supporting the team. <laughs> okay, listen, hopefully, next year when you qualify for Europe, you're going to draw a Russian team, hopefully, a Moscow team, and we'll see you in Moscow next, okay, next good. year. Looking forward to that. Brilliant. Thank you, Ronnie. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, it really was a great interview, and Roderick is, you know, he's, he's a guy who just spoke very openly, very honestly, both on and off the record, and is a terrific person. The full uh, version that we put out on, of course, our podcast, on southclown.com, Capital Sports Moscow, on iTunes as well, you can find us, you'll find us there later on this evening. So, as we go away into this good night, as we escape the studio, and fingers crossed that Lokomotiv have made it win number two for Russia this week, 
we're going to have a bit of a party and we're going to hope that you join us and until next week this is Pink and get the party started Capital Sports with Alan Moore